watchful care over you. Be confident in God's watchful care over you. The first step is God is the only true source of help in the uncertainties of life. God is the only true source of help in the uncertainties of life. One of the things we we would say before all of this is the only thing constant is change. The only thing constant is change. And so our lives are filled with uncertainty. They're filled with these little road bumps of uncertainty. And what should we do next? What job to take? Is my job stable? What's going to happen with my kids? There's all these uncertainties of life. And we kind of manage them and we just keep going through them. But there's times where there's uncertainties that are bigger than our ability to handle, right? The only constant is change. And this change and this uncertainty of coronavirus has, has, has just erupted and blown up all our thoughts of, I can get through this. And so in this uncertainty, what's going to happen next? How big is it going to get? How long is it going to last? Is it going to visit my home? Uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. And it has brought to the surface all these insecurities of our life. It's exposed to us that none of the stuff we thought was certain was really certain anyways. That we've been building our lives on things under the illusion of control and under the illusion of certainty, but it's not certain. And so one of the things I hope that happens for you, and I hope that happens for me, I believe it's in process. I'd love to say I'm there, but let's do it together. Is I hope that, that this uncertainty will just drive us back to the rock-solid certainty of our God. I hope that it would draw us back to God. Uh, A guy named Charles Spurgeon said it this way. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me back on the rock of ages. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of of ages. And so that's what I want to see happen in your life and in mine. Is can I kiss the providence? Can I embrace the hardship that's in front of me? Can I embrace this wave of uncertainty crashing over me? If it accomplishes the beautiful purpose of throwing me back on God. Of waking up my distracted soul. Of of waking up my soul that is drifting. Of of waking me from this rut of routine and putting me back into a dependence on God. And seeking after God. Have you learned to kiss the wave that throws you against the rock of ages? That's what I want to see happen for me. Let's jump into the text here. And so we're in in the scriptures. We're towards the beginning of something that is called the Song of Ascents. And I don't pronounce things that well because I am Southern. And so ascending, going up, the songs of going up, right? So the song of ascents. And so there's about 50, or there's 15 songs from 20 to, to 134 that are these songs of ascents. And what they would be is you would have these large caravans of pilgrims that would make the journey from wherever they are up, in, up to Jerusalem, through the mountains up into Jerusalem. And as they went along the road, they would sing to each other these 15 songs of ascent. They would be the songs that, that, the, the, that God's people sang to each other and sang for themselves. They would be the, wor- the traveling worship service of the people as they went home to Jerusalem, to, to the beautiful city of Jerusalem where it was home and where it was stability and where it was supposed to be. And so they would sing these going up. And some of the themes that would be in these, it would be themes of deliverance, like God deliver your people. It would be songs of the beauty of Jerusalem, talking about Jerusalem as home. And and so there would be the beauty of Jerusalem. They'd be psalms about look to the Lord, wait on the Lord, worship the Lord. And so all the way up, they're reminding each other, God, guys, let's cry out to God for deliverance. All the way up, they'd be like, look at the Lord, look at the Lord, look at the Lord. All the way up, they'd be like, wait on him, wait on him, bless him, praise him, worship him. He is a great and ruling king. And that would be what filled their hearts on the way up to Jerusalem. 
And that's very much like in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5.19, that says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. One of the horrible things about us being isolated is I'm sitting here in a room of four or five people, and what usually just infuses my life with hope is, or, or, or that, that makes these worship services so powerful is like I'll be singing, and sometimes I'll just cut out and listen for a second, and there's hundreds of voices singing to God. Here's what God is like. Here's what God has accomplished. Here's the deliverance that comes in Jesus. And there's this encouragement that comes as we sing to one another these things. And that's what they would do all the way up to Jerusalem. And that's one of the things we're missing now. But we're meant to sing to each other. We're meant to remind each other of who God is and what he's like. And remind each other of what he's done. And so they were traveling up doing this. And the journey to Jerusalem in, in Psalm 121, the journey to Jerusalem... Is, a, is an illustration or an analogy for the journey of life. And so the journey to Jerusalem was filled with all kinds of uncertainties uh, in this wilderness land and these mountains that they're traveling through, all kinds of uncertainties. But throughout it, it was filled with a solid certainty of who God is. And so life filled with uncertainties, but God is very certain. Life is filled with insecurities, but we have a secure God. Life is filled with the unknown of what ne- what's next, but it is also filled with the known that there is a God who has spoken. There's a God who has revealed himself. There's a God that we can know in an unknown and uncertain life. And that's what this psalm is about. And so let's look at it. In the first two verses, we get... Um, the framing of the whole rest of the passage. So we'll kind of camp out there and, and then we'll hit the rest from uh, after that. And so these first two verses frame the circumstance or the problem. They raise the key question and then they give the answer, the, the solid answer uh, to those uncertainties and to that. And so look at it. I lift my eyes up to the hills. And so what is he saying there? Um, I think the main meaning of what he's saying there is on the road to Jerusalem, they would travel in caravans because it was very dangerous. There was no military patrolling these roads. And so there would be bandits and robbers who would form groups and they would hide up in the mountains or they'd hide around ridges. And then they would come and fall on, on travelers and they would they would rob them or abuse them or even kill them. And so uh, the, the road was filled with dangers. It was filled with uncertainties. And so what the psalmist is saying is I'm constantly scanning the hill for what is going to happen, what dangers are up there, what uncertainties are up there. Which then is also that same analogy for life is I'm scanning around. Like, what is uncertain out there? There's uncertainties everywhere. There's unknowns everywhere. What dangers are out there? What could be lurking around the next corner? And so I'll lift my eyes up to the hills and I'll scan for danger. But I also think it has uh, another shade of meaning that is a little smaller. And that is, as you were walking your way up through the mountains, occasionally there'd just be these gaps in the mountains. And through those gaps in the mountains, you would see the beautiful holy city of Jerusalem rising up through those peaks. And you would just catch this little glimpse of home. And your anxieties over the uncertainties that are in front of you would turn to anticipation of, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the end. I'm going to get to home. And it's going to be okay. And so that's the circumstances that are facing. Is it You're walking through the uncertainties of life. You're on this journey of life and everything is unknown. I have no clue what's going to happen with coronavirus, but I also have no clue what's going to happen with my health. I have no clue what's going to happen with my job. I have no clue what's going to happen with my kids. I have no clue what's going to happen with uh, life after college. Like, it's just all of life is uncertain. 
And so I can fix my eyes on the uncertainties of life and I can just look around danger, look around uncertain, look around what does the future hold. Or I can turn my eyes to a different place. And so he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And lifting up to see the uncertainties of life leads to a question. Where does my help come? From where does my help come? Maybe you've asked the same question. Is there any help for me? Am I in this alone? Do I have to get through this alone? Who or where could possibly help me in the middle of this circumstance? Who cares enough to help me? Is there any help available? And so we face the uncertainties of life with this question like, is there help? What can happen? And maybe you're like me. Because here's how I do it. I'm faced with all these uncertainties. I'm like, where does my help come from? And the place I should go first, and look, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to just confess, the place I should go first is usually the place I go last. Because when something happens, I'm like, all right, let's get in a room, let's figure it out. How do we get the technology to meet together? How can we get Facebook Live up so that we can have our services? How do we fix the problem? And I go everywhere for help until I get to the end, and then it's like, oh... I should put my face to seeking the Lord. The Lord is my only true source of help. The Lord is the only helper I can have. And so maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to fix the problem. And then if I get to the very last option and I can't fix it, then I'll go talk to the Lord about it. And I know, where do I go for help? And then look what the psalmist does. And this is the declaration of faith that is meant to govern the whole rest of the passage and that the whole rest of the passage unpacks for us. Where do I go for help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so in the uncertainties of life, there's the question, is there any help? Yes, there's help. And so my, my heart is like, let me solve it. Let me fix it. Let me go to other people. Let me, let me find a way through. But what I'm meant to do is like, so be quiet for a second. There is help who does care and he is the Lord. And you should go to him first. And so what he's doing is making a faith declaration. My help comes from the Lord. Now, when you see in, in the Bible, when you see Lord with a capital L and then small caps, that is the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And so he's saying, my help comes from Yahweh. My help comes from the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. My help comes not from an all-powerful, though he is all-powerful. My help comes from a very personal God who has established relationship with me. And so where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. The Lord who has won me. The Lord who is in relationship with me. The Lord who is personal to me. Not some abstract deity. Not some, some uh, force or some look out to the universe or some karma. There is a personal God who has revealed himself, who has told us what he is like. And he is the one who has adopted us into his family, made us his, loved us. And it is that God who is our helper. The God who has defined himself in his word that, that helps us. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And when I'm tempted, like, I've got to figure this out. I can run back to God who is personal, who has made a relationship with me. I have come back, or my help comes from the Lord. And so your, your circumstances are going to tempt you to not believe that. And so it's like all these uncertainties, all these fears, all this virus stuff. And it's like, there's no help. I can't get out of it. 
Or maybe all these circumstances aren't going to teach you to, to get to that point, but all these circumstances are going to teach you, like, okay, I'll just distract myself for a couple of weeks. And if I can throw myself into social media and I can throw myself into games and throw myself into a good Netflix binge, then I can just shut off those fearful anxieties from my soul and I can get through this. That is exactly not what we're meant to do. And so when you're tempted to that, declare to your soul, soul, your help isn't in Netflix. Your help isn't in, in the iTunes store. Your help is in the Lord and only in the Lord. Run back to him during this time. But here's the thing about this, this psalm. Look at this. So in verses 1 and verses 2, my eyes, my help, my help. What changes when you get to verse 3 and, and beyond? You, your So what is happening? He's changing it from, okay, I have now declared to my soul, here's what God is like. He loves you. He's won you into a relationship with himself. He will not leave you. He is your helper. To saying, I need to also remind the people around me. We need to sing together this song because this is not meant to simply be a teaching point. This is meant to be the declaration of faith between this entire caravan of God's people. People, remember, we have a God who keeps us. And so, yes, Chris, remember, here's who the Lord is. Here's what he's done. Here's what he's like. But please don't stop there. Let me remind the people around me because they're facing the same anxieties. They're facing the same uncertainties. They're facing it, but they may not know that the Lord is their help. Or they may not yet have gotten to the place to declare to their souls, there is help. And it's a personal God who cares intimately about what's going on. And we need to remind them. And so it goes from my help declared to you and your help. So that we're reminding each other about these truths. And then he ends this section by declaring who God is and what he's like. The maker of heaven and earth. Is God the creator of all that is? Yeah. Did he by the word of his power speak and nothing becomes something? Yes. Did he create the universe? Did he create the stars? Did he create the planets? Did he create earth? Did he create people? Did he create molecules? Yes, 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 yes. And it means that. He's the maker of heaven and earth. But it doesn't just mean that. When when this title is used of God throughout the Psalms and throughout the Bible, what it is also saying is he is the sovereign ruler over his creation. So he created it. And he rules it. And he is in charge of everything that goes on in it. And there is nothing that escapes his power. There is nothing that escapes his rule. And so my Lord, my personal God who has won me in relationship, is also the sovereign God who rules everything and is able to help. He is the only source of help available. He rules everything. And he's the only source of help I want. Like when I really get through the noise of life, he's the only help I want. And so what do we do? In all of this uncertainty, what do we do? In this constant pursuit of help while avoiding the Lord and avoid seeking the Lord, what do we do? Here's a couple of things you can do. Turn off the news, turn off Netflix, and open up the book. Open up the Bible. Uh, on our Wednesday night studies, before it all got, got kind of uh, dismantled, we went through a, a study on, uh, called Four Questions. And it was like, read your Bible and ask four questions. Who is God? What has God done? Who am I? What's my identity? And what should I do? And so open up your Bible. Turn off all the distractions and all the junk that's going on. Open up your Bible and ask, God, who are you? Because I need a fresh glimpse. 
God, what have you done? Because if you have acted that powerfully in the world before, then I believe you can act that powerfully in my life right now or in our world right now. And God, who do you say that I am? Because I'm tempted to think of something else. And then how do I live if all that's true? So open up your Bible. Turn off the news. Secondly, join us in fasting and prayer. Take one day this week and don't, and don't eat. Obviously, if there's medical things going on, find a way to modify that. But, but then you don't eat for that day, but you engage in, in extra prayer that day. That you spend an hour in prayer and that you even invite people into that with you and you pray with those people. And so um, open up your Bible. Join us in fasting and prayer. Re-engage your prayer life. When was the last time you prayed? Consistently. I mean, really prayed. What an awesome opportunity to look back to the Lord for help instead of looking at something else like government to help. Lord, help us if that's our help. Or instead of looking to something to distract us, would you go back to the Lord? Read your Bible that way. Pray fast. And then lastly, grab hold of community. Yeah, it's got to be virtual. We can't, we can't hug each other. We can't sit in a circle with each other. But man, embrace and, 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 and engage back with people. That's how we can lift our eyes up from uncertainties to the Lord. Second step, God is present and alert companion through all the unknown dangers around us. God is a present and alert companion through all the unknown dangers around us. Um, if you have kids, you probably remember when they were learning to walk, right? And so you would, you would like childproof the home and you'd put padding around the fireplace hearth and all the sharp edges so that there's nothing they could really, really get hurt on. Um, and, and you'd be super close to them all the time, watching them. Sometimes you'd like grab their little hands and let their feet walk and move. And so you would see them climb up on the coffee table and kind of turn and get a little bit of courage up and then start waddling. And of course that big head would get over their feet and they go step, 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 fast, 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 fall. And you'd be there and you'd, you'd pick them up or you'd be there and you'd catch them through that process. And you'd cheer like, yeah, they took a step. Well, I mean, it'd be really weird for me to go to my teenagers and be like cheering. Ah, you took a step. What a great job. They, they kind of got past that. They're a little tougher now. They can handle a little more. They can even handle a little more distance. But it doesn't make me any less watchful. It doesn't make me any less concerned or intentional. Like I want to, I want to make sure I guard them. I want to make sure I keep them from, from challenges. They're just a little tougher and able to handle a little more. But what I do very imperfectly, God does perfectly. You see, God in this text hovers over his people with a watchful gaze and he knows his toddlers and when they start to teeter, he knows when people get on the uncertain footing of this mountain trek of life that gets hard. He knows when they're a little tougher and can take a little bit more. But in all of that, there's some things that are true. The watchful gaze of God standing over his people never changes. Never changes at all you see we live life as theologians call it coram deo before the face of god under the watchful gaze of god and that's what this psalm reminds us of like my help is in the lord now let me tell you about him let me tell you about how he hovers over us let me tell you about how he cares for us so look at that he goes and he says he will not let your foot be moved that is he will not let you stumble he won't let your foot slip out uh, your footing slip out from under you and put you in danger and then he says he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep 
And the word keep becomes the key word for the rest of the, the psalm, used five or six times throughout the rest of the psalm. And it's the idea of protection. It's the idea of watchful care. It's the idea of active to guard and active to watch over his people. And then look what he says. He keeps Israel. That means he watches all of his people. And he keeps you. He's not so busy watching the, billion, the, the millions and millions of the people of God that he loses sight of the one. He's also watching and protecting and blessing and guarding you. And then look at the imagery used. He will neither slumber nor sleep. See, the pagan gods uh, of the ancient world, they would take naps and they would take vacations. They would take time off. Sometimes they just couldn't. But that's not God. God is alert and intense. He is not indifferent to your pain. He's not indifferent to your concerns about the coronavirus. He's not indifferent to your concerns about your job or your business. He is not up there detached from your reality. He keeps you. He watches you. He watches you personally. He will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. And look at this. He is the shade on your right hand. That is, he's not just up in heaven watching over everything, making sure everything ticks. He is also right at the right hand, the place of loyal companionship. He is at the right hand of his people, walking the journey with his people. He is the shade at your right hand. And there's going to be dangers particular to the day while you're awake. And there's going to be dangers particular to the night while you're asleep. But the Lord watches over you so that the dangers of the day don't strike you. And he watches over you so the dangers of the night don't strike you. Notice, it doesn't change the circumstances of life. It doesn't change that there's dangers and uncertainties. What changes is that there's a God who's with you in them. What changes is that there's a companion that will walk through them with you who is also the God of all the earth. And so we might be tempted to think, like, God's kind of got his hands full now. Right? He's got this global pandemic, and there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are sick, and there's doctors everywhere that got to fix this. And so it's like God's a little busy to deal with me. But that's not your God, and that's not my God. He is not so busy with the billions that he cannot take time to care for the one. He does both. He rules all things by the word of his power And he hears us individually when we cry, when we call out, when we worry, when we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And he does not fall asleep on the job. There's never a moment where he's just too overwhelmed to to listen, too overwhelmed to get involved. And so the sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. So what what do we do with all this? Remind yourself. In the circumstances of life, remind yourself, the Lord, who is in a relationship with me, is also the sovereign ruler of the universe, controlling everything. The one who keeps the world and keeps his people is also the one who keeps me, and he'll never fall asleep on the job. Can you remind yourself of that? But don't stop there. Can you remind some people around you of that? Because there's plenty of people unsteady right now uncertain right now and they need the reminder of the goodness of god and the presence of god who never leaves and never forsakes the last step god is committed to to all encompassing care of us until we make it home god is committed to an all encompassing care of us until we make it home i imagine for you and for me the one of the most natural fears we face is a fear of the future if you're the president, you're Congress, you fear what if the country's economy shuts down and can't open back up? And then on the other side, you fear what if we lose so many more lives that it just becomes unbearable? Fear of the future. 
Maybe for, for you and I, will there be a job to go back to when all this is over? Will there be a company that I've spent my life building? Will it still be there when it all opens up? Are my kids going to be able to get caught up in school? What if I get sick with the virus? Will my retirement account ever recover? What about my friends? What about school? What about my degree? What about the new job I'm supposed to start? What about the wedding uh, that we've been planning for all this time? What's going to happen? Fear of the future, fear of the future. And there's some words the Bible says like, which of you by worrying can add one measure to their lifespan? Or don't say you'll go do this and you'll go do that, but say if the Lord wills because our life is a vapor. Or Paul says that these momentary and light afflictions are nothing in light of the glory, the eternal glory that is going to be revealed within us. And so in these closing verses, we move from the present, God's care, God's watching, God's involvement to the future. And it is an all-encompassing care of our future. He will guard you from all evil, all the harms, all the uncertainties, all the dangers. Now, clearly that doesn't mean we will never face challenges, problems, and dangers. Like, read the rest of the Psalms. But what it means is no eternal harm, and no harm that is not allowed by the hand of God, and no harm that can threaten your spiritual eternal life can ever come to you. All harms. And then look at this. He will keep your life Like all of life, every moment, every breath, every thought, every word are in his hands, right? Psalm 139, like he knows your thoughts while they're far off. And before a word comes to your mouth, he knows it. He'll keep your whole life. He'll keep your going out and your coming in, which is a common Hebrew way of just saying all the affairs of life, all of the activities of life. And so when you go out and take care of the things that have to be taken care of, and when you come in, like God is part of all of that. And then he'll do it from now until forever. There will never be a moment where the watchful care of God says, okay, I'm kind of done. Let me take a time out. But until he ushers you into your eternal home in heaven, his care and his watching will go along the journey with you. And every uncertainty will be an uncertainty he already knew about. Everything hidden and dangerous to you will not be hidden to him. God is committed to an all-encompassing care. A couple practical things and we'll wrap up. First, identify what is clouding your, your gaze. Identify what is clouding your gaze. Because whatever uh, captures your gaze will control your response and will control your emotions. So what's capturing your gaze? Are you consumed with news? Are you consumed with social media? Are you consumed with distraction? What's capturing your gaze? Times like this, God is like arresting us, shaking us up and saying, Look back to me. Declare that I'm your help again. And so what is it that's clouding your mind? You know what I would encourage you to do? Why don't you write down the two or three top things that you know have captured your gaze, that you know have distracted you, that you know have consumed your thoughts and your, and your mind and your, and, your, and your waking thoughts. Write them down. What is clouding your gaze? And then second, refocus your eyes upward. Yeah, we need to fight the stuff that takes our gaze. We need to repent. You know, that's a dirty word. We need to turn back to the Lord in areas. Yeah, we need accountability and we need limits and all that stuff. Yes. But we have a positive fight that we are fighting, and it is a positive fight to behold the glory of the Lord and to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And so there's this positive fight to, to fix my eyes 
on the help. Fix my eyes on the Lord. Fix my eyes on a God who has adopted me into his family and loves me perfectly. Fix my eyes on a Savior who lived the life I couldn't live and died a brutal, horrible death to take my death from me and give me life in its place. To fix my eyes on a God who cares and watches over me. A God who hovers to keep my feet from slipping. A God who has created the heavens and the earth, but also created me fearfully and wonderfully. That I can refocus my heart and mind on these things. And how are you going to do that? Do you have a time in the Word and prayer every day? Do you open up your Bible and pray every day? If not, open up your Bible in this time. Even if it's five minutes or ten minutes of, of prayer and Bible reading, just do it. But if you're somebody that's already had this consistent quiet time of the Bible and prayer, would you let the extra time of these moments drive you to deeper uh, studying of God, deeper reading of the Bible, deeper life of prayer? You need to grab some other people for prayer and discussion. The goal is that we shift our gaze back to God. And then lastly, remind yourself and remind someone else. Remind yourself what God is like. Where are your insecurities? Where are your fears? Where is your panic button? Where is your distractions? Remind yourself, soul, stop for a second. Let me tell you about the goodness of God again. But don't ever stop there. Remind some others. There's others that need to know God won't leave them and forsake them. There's others that need to know that God cares for them enough that they can cast their cares on top of him. There's other people that that need to know that God is for them and not against them in Jesus Christ. There's others that need to know that God is present. He is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. That is, he is a place to run and hide, but he's also a place to give courage and strength to go back out. And here's the thing about a refuge. like It doesn't do any good to have a walled fortress that you don't go to. It doesn't matter how big the king's army is if you choose to roam the countryside alone. He's a refuge to run into, to be strengthened, and then to be sent back out with courage to life. We need to remind each other of these things. And so as Micah shared, Sunday school will be happening at 4 o'clock as long as these shutdowns happen. Sunday school will be at 4 o'clock. It will be virtually. Yeah, we're going to have to try some things that work and and make adjustments, but, but you make a commitment to be there. You make a commitment to be prepared. You make a commitment to speaking and sharing, even if that's not your normal thing. Because people need you to speak psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speak the reminders of God, and you need to be spoken to. Uncertain times don't change the faithfulness of God. The unknown circumstances don't make God unknown. They don't change God. So look up. He is there. Look up. He is active in his care for you. A couple of things remind you, use this discussion guide to prep for Sunday school, but also for intentional conversations throughout the week with your family and other gatherings. Let's pray as we wrap up. Father, lift our eyes. Lift our eyes from the uncertainties of the hill to the certainty of our God who is enthroned in the heavens. Lift our eyes up from the uncertainties of life to the certainty of a God who does not leave and does not forsake and does not leave. Lift our eyes up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.